Hello everyone, welcome to episode 49 of Infraction, our true crime podcast. I'm Nadia. And I'm Sally. And today we have another listener suggestion this week. Uh, I feel like this might now be three listener suggestions in a row. Um, But hey, we aim to please. So this suggestion has come in from Abby in Crawley Down in Sussex here in England. Um, And this is actually a case close to Abby's heart because the victim in this case was Abby's former childminder. So thank you very much for trusting us with this case. The victim in this case, Paula Ramsden, was from Crawley Down, a village in Sussex, but the place of her death was actually at Beachy Head near Eastbourne on the coast of England. In January 2000, when this case was set, Paula Ramsden was 32 years old and she had two children. As I mentioned earlier, Paula worked as a childminder. When she had been younger, in the late 1980s, Paula had been in a relationship with a man named Paul. He had reportedly been quite controlling over her and their relationship had been quite rocky, although she had been very much in love with him. Their relationship ended with Paul saying that he wanted to go out and sleep with other people. Paula was devastated, but soon she rekindled her love with an old friend, a man named Darren Roffey. Darren and Paula had known each other since secondary school. They had been in the same class and Darren said that he liked Paula even back when they'd been just teenagers. He said that Paula was very pretty, she would always do anything to help people, and that she was very family-oriented. They lost touch after school, but in 1987, when they were in their 20s, the pair bumped into each other by chance, and they started dating. Despite not having much money between them, the couple spent what they did have on socialising with mutual friends, going out for dinner and spoiling each other. Darren said that he was at his happiest when he was with Paula, She was still just as family-oriented as he had remembered her being, and they spent lots of time with her family. Her parents made a point of saying they really enjoyed Darren's company. Then tragedy struck Paula's life when her older brother Mark was killed in a car accident. After his death, Paula found comfort in visiting Beachy Head, because when she was there she felt like she was closer to her brother and liked to remember him there. For those who don't know, Beachy Head is a famous beauty spot on the south coast in East Sussex. It's like a really huge cliff and in fact I think it's the highest chalk sea cliff in the UK. It's beautiful and I'll put a photo of it on social media so you guys can get a picture of where this case happened. For reference, Sal, do you know where Beachy Head is? Did we not go on a school trip there? Yeah, I feel like we did go on a school trip there. Can you picture it? It's like a huge green like green grass like on top of this like massive massive cliff um yeah i can it's like a nature reserve i'm sure we definitely went on a school trip there i've got a photo of you on the coach (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so so okay at least you can picture it so for everyone else that's there's a photo of it on social media so you can check it out so in january 1989 after about 16 months of dating paula fell pregnant and darren and paula were delighted They decided to get married before their son was born. Unfortunately for Darren, Paula was still very much under the spell of her former partner Paul, and just two weeks after Darren and Paula's wedding in March 1989, Paula kicked Darren out and the couple separated. Wait, what? Two weeks after they got married, she kicked him out? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Darren said that Paula had kicked him out after Paul had bombarded Paula with calls and texts um, and kind of like pleased to meet him. You know, despite the fact that Paula was newly married and was pregnant, um, Paul had kind of come back into her life. 
Darren said that at the time of their wedding, he'd had no idea about Paul, but as soon as they were married, Paul had made like a reappearance in Paula's life. Darren kind of said in an interview that he truly believes that Paul used his influence and control over Paula to bully her into leaving him. But, well, I suppose it depends when Paula got in touch with Paul. Um, Because I can't, well, maybe he did have that much sway over her like in the two weeks since they were married. Or do you suppose that actually he was probably on the sidelines before that? But in which case you kind of think, "Mm, well, why go ahead with the wedding? if he was already, like, planting the seeds of doubt. Otherwise, that's an incredibly quick time for him to convince her to leave her, like, brand-new husband and the father of her child to be. Yeah, so I think it didn't... I think it happened more like... Paula had always been in love with Paul and wanted to get back with him, but Paul wasn't interested. So she started this new relationship with Darren. She was obviously really happy. I have no doubts that probably in the background she was still messaging Paul, but maybe he wasn't really that interested. Maybe he didn't kind of see... Uh, Paula and Darren's relationship as being that serious and then obviously when she fell pregnant they decided to marry very quickly so presumably in the way that I kind of see it is that probably sparked something in Paul to be like hang on a second she's she's now pregnant and she's just got married in this very short space of time and that made him realize that he no longer had the control over her so then he made a reappearance in her life does that make sense? Like it was, I think it was more like he realised he'd now lost the control because she'd got married. He entered her life and it was what she had always wanted. So she was just so kind of like, I guess, infatuated with this idea of getting back with him that she then left Darren. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Very sensible thoughts. (laughs) Thank you. So because Darren and Paula's marriage had been so short because it had only been two weeks, they were actually able to have their um, marriage annulled. So in the eyes of the law and in the eyes of everyone, it was as if Darren and Paula had never been married, which was devastating for Darren because he was so in love with Paula. And of course, she was pregnant with his child. How long out of interest can you be married to someone and like an annulment still occur? I think it's a few weeks. I think it might be a month or two months, but I think you have to basically be able to show loads of things, like the marriage wasn't valid, like um, things like that, if that makes sense. It's, ba- it's basically, yeah, it's, you have to basically show that, that the marriage was never a real thing. Right, as you were. That was a really, that was like a really bad explanation of it, wasn't it? <laughs> no, 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 I totally, I, I get you. Like, you've got to be able to prove it was, like, a sham marriage or something. Anyway, I feel like we're digressing, but, yeah. So, they got their marriage annulled, and Paula went back to Paul, and the couple restarted their relationship. Within months, they were married, and friends report that Paula actually seemed quite happy. She gave birth to her son in September 1989. Darren turned up at the hospital with a bouquet of flowers, excited to see the birth of his first child. When he got to the hospital, however... Paul Ramsden stopped him from going into the room where Paula was giving birth and he told Darren that he wasn't allowed to see his son. Paul and others told Darren that the child wasn't his and to cement this point, Paula didn't put Darren on the birth certificate. Oh my God. So Darren does believe that um, their child was his. He says that kind of now he looks very similar to him and he acts like him. And he was, and he's certain that Paul Ramsden hadn't come back into Paula's life until after Darren and Paula had married. And Paula was already pregnant because I think at that time he was he was concerned by what people were saying that perhaps 
kind of, I guess, what you'd kind of suggested earlier, that Paul and Paula were having an affair behind his back, but he really doesn't believe that that happened. He does not think that uh, Paul was actually in the picture at all until they'd got married, and obviously at that time she was already pregnant. So he was definitely certain that the baby was his. Um, At the time, though, the whole situation had completely broken Darren, and he felt that Paula had used him to get pregnant, and that she'd known that she was going to leave him after their wedding. He says that now he's older, he knows that that isn't true and he knows that Paula was a good woman. She was just completely under Paul's spell. Darren was able to see his son for a bit during those early years of his son's life, but only in the presence of a social worker. Paula's parents arranged the visits as they still had a soft spot for Darren despite the fact their daughter had remarried. Do we know that um, like she was a good woman and stuff because... I do. I am feeling quite sorry for Darren at this point. Like, I do feel. I understand why. Of course, I understand why mothers have uh, pretty much all the rights when it comes to like children in the first instance, without going through like court proceedings, etc. But actually, this is one of those examples where I'm feeling quite sorry for Darren and the fact that there's probably pretty much like no paternal rights to like support him uh to like get access and i do feel like he's been pretty duped but obviously you just said he now realizes she was just under his spell like is do we know that later on yeah i do understand what you're saying i think it's really difficult i think at the time like they they were quite young um it was obviously his first child he didn't really know what his legal rights were of course because she hadn't put him on the birth certificate um and had given um their son the, the surname Ramsden, um, which of course was not Darren's surname, he really didn't have any rights and it would have been quite an expensive process to go through the courts to get the court to order paternity tests and all the rest of it. Um, so yes, I totally agree with you. It does feel a lot like Paula, yeah, really, really screwed over Darren here. And I'm not saying that she didn't and I'm not doing one of those things where I'm like, oh, because she's the victim, you know, she was this perfect woman. This was obviously a horrific thing that she did, but I have no doubt, and we kind of will go on to see, that it most likely is because she was completely kind of under his spell and he used a lot of controlling techniques on Paula, which I think is kind of evidenced here in what she's doing with regards to their son and stuff. I think in her mind, at this point, probably, it was this perfect happy family where she got Paul back, that's what she had always wanted, and they had this baby son. She was married to Paul when she gave birth to this baby boy, you know, all of a sudden she's got this happy family that she always wanted. And in her mind, I think she probably wasn't thinking about Darren. She was probably just thinking about herself and how she got the happily ever after that she always wanted. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. I just wanted to check that. Yeah, I just wanted to read what I was meant to infer from that. But it does sound to me like, yeah, okay, then we should be like listening and assuming that there is some, um, yeah, like manipulation from Paul going on here. Oh, thank you. Manipulation is exactly the word I was looking for during that entire spiel. (laughs) So yeah, during this time, um, things got a little bit worse for Darren when Darren and Paula's son turned three. The Ramsden stopped visitations. Darren said that he was certain Paul was behind it, but at the time, Darren didn't fight it. He said that he had just met a new woman, he was starting to move on, and he didn't fight for custody. He didn't really know what his legal rights were, kind of what I said earlier. He does say that it's something that he now regrets, but by that time, Paula had had another child with Paul and Darren was just trying to start a family with his new partner, so both of them kind of went their separate ways. To the rest of the world, Paula and Paul seemed happy, although her parents didn't really like Paul. 
To them, it was a kick in the teeth that Paula had gone back to him when she'd had such a good thing with Darren, but they did see that for the best part, Paula seemed happy. Then, on January 9th, 2000, at about four o'clock in the afternoon, everything changed. As I mentioned earlier, Paula often visited the Beachy Head Cliffs to think about her brother Mark, and on the 9th of January, she and Paul went to the cliff. Paul said that the couple were walking hand in hand near the cliff edge. He let go of her hand and turned to kiss her. He said that all of a sudden, Paula just wasn't there anymore. She had plunged 500 feet over the edge of the cliff and was killed. What? What does he mean she just wasn't there anymore? Like, how fucking close to the edge were they? Yes, well, that's the question really, Sally. Um, Paul said that he immediately called the emergency services and when they arrived, he was arrested on suspicion of murder. On what grounds is he arrested on suspicion of murder? That seems very sudden to me. Granted, of course, he's going to be questioned because he was the only person at the scene. But um, but it seems quite striking he should be arrested for murder then and there. Yeah, mm, yeah, I guess it is kind of suspicious. But then you've got to think, like, his wife has just, like, plunged over the, the side of the cliff. Um, and there were also eyewitness reports saying that Paul was acting oddly and inappropriately moments after his wife's sudden death. Um, but, yeah. I don't know, maybe it was sudden. Either way, Paul was later released from custody without charge, so obviously they didn't really feel like they had anything. During the police interview, he told the police kind of what I just said, that they had been walking and that when he turned to kiss her, she had just disappeared. He said he didn't see her fall and he said he didn't hear it. He made a statement through his solicitor saying, quote, my life has been completely ruined by the tragic loss of my wife. I did not murder my wife. I loved her. Um, right, so I'm not really following. So they're walking along, and I pictured it like they were literally holding hands, then he turns to kiss her, meaning like she's literally next to him. But the way you're making it sound is that actually she wasn't that close to him, because otherwise he'd have literally felt her fall next to him. Okay, yeah, so... <laughs> I'm not making it sound like that. That's what he's saying. But I agree with you. I'm completely on on your wavelength there. Yes, I don't see how you can be holding hands with someone. You, He said he let go of her hand, he turned to kiss her, and then she just wasn't there. And yes, it is unbelievable to me that he didn't hear her fall, he didn't hear her scream, he didn't not you know he didn't feel the loss of her presence because when you're stood next to someone, you know that they're there. Um. I, yeah, I think I, I'm very, very shocked by it that he's kind of like leading with this statement that she just vanished. And I also agree with you on the point that, and if people don't know kind of what we're referencing, please do take a look at social media or Google Beachy Head and you will see what we're talking about. I have absolutely no idea why they would be walking that close to the cliff edge when there is such a vast amount of space and like Greenland to walk on. It's not like a tiny path that you have to be right on the edge. It seems unbelievable to me that they were walking that close to the edge, so close that she could just essentially what take a step and just drop off the edge of the cliff. Well, I would question that more because actually a lot of people fall off cliffs. And, like, with erosion and stuff, a lot of people do die on cliff edges. And I agree, why would you walk that close to one? But they wouldn't be the first two. Mm. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it does sound like they're incredibly close for her, like you say, to just disappear and not to, yeah, hear a noise or, or feel her not be there. I agree with that, yeah. But, uh. <laughs> But, uh, is that just, like, your professional opinion on the matter, Sally? <laughs> 
And then you can cut out the butter. <laughs> so yeah, very much like us. Many people didn't believe Paul's story, with many alleging that he, quote, shed no tears for his wife after Paula's death. It seems the authorities also felt that there might be more to Paul's story, and they decided to launch an investigation into what happened. Albeit it appears that this didn't happen until about two years after her death in April 2002. Why? No idea. Literally no idea. They, the way that it's, it's very hard, this was a very hard case to research because there's very little out there and what is out there kind of says the same as all the other reports. But from what I can tell is that he was arrested. They suspected that he'd done something, but there was no eyewitnesses. There was no proof that she'd, I don't know, been pushed or that she died from anything other than kind of like the impact of falling off the cliff. They had no reason to suspect that he had done anything other than they're just kind of sinking suspicions about him. And so nothing happened. Um... And then, yeah, after two years, they opened an investigation into it, presumably at the push of Paula's parents um, and her side of the family. But, yeah, I don't know why it took so long. Uh, Yeah, that is crazy, isn't it? But I suppose maybe they did have to run, like, their investigation first. But you'd just think, like, an appeal would be one of the first things to go out for, like, anyone who was there that day, like, anyone of her friends who could speak to, like, how she was at the time, etc. Because all of that is, like, evidence, like, people's memories and stuff is evidence that degrades over time. So it does seem strange it should take two years. But I don't know, like you say, maybe they pursued other avenues first. I'd be really interested, like, you said there that there was no sign she'd been pushed. You'd almost imagine, though, that how someone landed could indicate something like that, wouldn't you? Because you'd think... I don't know, I suppose it's a very high height to fall from, but I was kind of thinking in my head that you could see, like, what way they were facing, for example, when they, like, came off the cliff edge. Um, Like, yeah, possibly were they sort of bracing? Yeah, I don't know. But I guess if that was evidence that was easier to interpret, like, I'm sure the police would have taken that into account. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's really interesting. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I can kind of like picture it. I completely understand what you're saying. I think I think it would be clear. But then yes, again, it's such a high height to fall from. I guess you have no idea. And not to be like too graphic about it, but I guess if she hit parts of the cliff on the way down or awful things like that, do you know what I mean? I guess it can all have an effect on something like that. And probably in our minds, it's a lot kind of more clear cut than probably in real life when you're actually assessing it than it would be. Oh yeah, definitely. So, in April 2002, Alan Craze, a coroner, was tasked with conducting an inquest into Paula Ramston's death. This inquest revealed a lot of new information. Namely, that Paul Ramston was having an affair with a work colleague, and he was also, quote, romantically involved with another woman as well. Sounds like a nice bloke. Adding to this, he had also increased Paula's life insurance policy. It's honestly like these pillocks follow a checklist, isn't it? Like, have an affair. increase the life insurance policy like it's oh so infuriating yeah it literally begs belief that this is not the first time we've had this conversation about how stupid people are like you say it's like they've sort of read a like idiot's guide to getting away with murder that's like a joke it's almost like a parody that you'd actually do both of those things in quick succession isn't it like have an affair and change your partner's life insurance policy I don't even know that many people who have life insurance. It's not something everyone has. Uh, So it is, it's it's quite common if you buy a house. So um, this is actually something that I recently worked out. 
so basically, with regards to her life insurance policy, okay, uh, her po- original policy had been taken out on her life, and that had been taken out in 1994, and that would have paid out £104,000 on her death, but he changed it in October 1999, just three months before her death, and the new policy would have paid out more than £225,000, so it was over double what it originally was. And I always say this, and when I'm researching, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, you've taken out a life insurance policy or you changed it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I, until I started, until I had to actually do this process of taking out life insurance for buying the house, I had actually no idea what it meant. So I don't know how the best way to explain this is. Um, But basically, Matt and I have come to the decision that we are only going to insure his life and not mine because if I passed away, he could still maintain the cost of the house. But if he passed away, I wouldn't be able to maintain the cost of the house. This is an incredibly morbid conversation to be having. Um, But because like his salary is much higher and things like that, it makes more sense to insure his life for more, right? So each month we're going to pay out money to insure his life. In this situation... Paula was a childminder, and I'm not at all knocking her profession, but she wasn't the main earner in that marriage. It's absolutely normal and kind of encouraged to take out a policy when you have children, um, and also they had a house, so this obviously explains why she was insured, but there was no reason to double her life insurance. You know, they didn't have another child on the way, they... um, didn't have they hadn't bought a new house that had a new high mortgage on it or anything like that I think I read somewhere that her, the mortgage on their property was only 90,000 pounds so if she had died the original policy that would have paid out 104,000 pounds would have um kept you know would have would have meant that Paul would be able to stay in the home with the kids and things like that it's just very bizarre that they've doubled it because that would mean paying out huge premiums every month to cover a £225,000 payout on her death. Do you understand what I'm saying? It seems like so crazy and it, it and like we always say like it is mad but it is actually really really stupid and really strange that he would do that when there was no big changes in her life especially three months before she died. Like to me it is so suspicious. Yeah and you kind of wonder as well the context in which she um like wouldn't have questioned it as well like if that well and i'm not using that to disrespect her i was saying again to him like how was he justifying that to her in a way that he didn't think might like raise any suspicions mm. like by doing that you'd kind of think she might you know say to her mates oh it's a bit weird like he really wants to up my life insurance policy like it's the sort of thing i can really picture joking about with a friend being like oh god you know, is that a bad sign? Um, mm-hmm. So again, just really kind of obvious of him, unless he was paying for the whole thing himself, which I find doubtful. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. Very, very hair-raising. Mm, yeah, yeah, it is. It's just mind-boggling. Um, so we'll get into it a little bit later as to why he kind of says that he did that, because that kind of comes out of the inquest. Um, but back to the beginning of the inquest... Paul Ramsden gave an account of what he said had happened the moment when Paula had died. He said, quote, She kissed me on the lips and I started to walk away and I heard this scream. I was a couple of feet away. There was a scream. I must have spun around immediately shouting her name. I probably shouted it a few more times, looked around and then legged it to the car. End quote. So this is different to what he said before. And 
please, I don't know, be aware. It could be paraphrasing or misreporting. However, given how many articles I've read, I am under the impression that what he said initially was that he hadn't heard her, was that he had just been holding her hand and that he had turned around to kiss her and not this, where he is now saying that they had just kissed and then he turned and he walked ahead of her and then she fell. These are two very, in my opinion, conflicting stories and I do think they are, you know, I do think that is accurate that he has told two different stories. Yeah, okay, so we're just bringing his stories into question. We are. So, Mr. Craze, the coroner, asked Paul why witnesses had said that he had acted, quote, oddly or inappropriately, and Paul responded with, Paula's death was incomprehensible, so I don't know what my reaction should have been or could have been, end quote. See, I don't want to agree with him because... I've got bad vibes, but I do see his point. Like, if I had a pound for every time people said that someone acted strangely or, yeah, Mm -hmm. bizarrely, like, in front of the press or, like, the media or the police or stuff. And you do kind of think, like, for those eyewitnesses, I do find that a stretch, to be honest. Like, what would be the correct way to behave when you think your partner might have just fallen, like, to their death? Do you know what I mean? Like, I do... Mm-hmm. And sometimes think making statements like that isn't necessarily helpful because they're very disputable in court. Like that isn't evidence really that he acted strangely. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like there isn't really a metric for that. I can understand it more when people are weird weeks later in front of like the cameras and stuff. But in that moment, like what is the correct way yeah. to act? And by saying that, I just feel like you do open up like uh, just a big old angle for the defense to say exactly what i've just said like what yeah what would be the right way to act sort of thing do you know what i mean yeah i do i completely agree and i agree that that most of the time it isn't helpful like comments like that i think it's also not helpful that wherever this is reported these witnesses are just saying that he acted oddly or inappropriately he but like what did he do do you know what I mean because I think that would help us maybe understand it a little bit more you know if he was like I don't know flirting with like a woman or flirting with a paramedic and asking her for her number or something then yes that's very inappropriate and I can I can imagine that you can't really misinterpret that but if it's just that he's not crying or that he's yeah not visibly upset or anything like that then yeah then it could just be that he's in shock so I do agree with you I think we don't necessarily have enough information on that to get to the bottom of yeah what his actions actually were because all they've been described as are odd and inappropriate and that's that means nothing does it yeah exactly like you just can't draw a conclusion from that yeah exactly exactly so the inquest also heard evidence from her family that paula would never have stood so close to the edge of the cliff because she was afraid of heights however paul disputed this and said that paula had never told him that she was afraid of heights Paul also said, when questioned in relation to the life insurance money, that he had upped the policy to spend on the childcare and clothes for the children. His lawyer said that the life insurance policy was to be paid into a trust for the children and would not be for his benefit. But later on in the inquiry, Paul said that he had no interest in claiming the money and would not be doing so. So again, he's kind of tripping over his own lies at this point or getting his wires crossed a little bit because on the one hand he's saying well I'm going to claim the money and put it in a trust for my children and then on the other hand he's saying well I'm not going to claim it at all yeah good analysis (laughs) well I just don't know how suspicious I find that like I do find it suspicious because things on here often are suspicious but conversely 
Um, like he could be aware of like the changing perception of, yeah, he could be aware of like the changing perception and then suddenly think, oh God, I actually can't claim this. Like it will look awful whilst at the same time having feelings of like, do you know what? This is my chance to give like my kids a deposit for their house or something, which he may not otherwise be able to do whilst being conflicted with the fact it looks bloody suspicious that I'm claiming on, um, like my deceased partner's uh, life insurance. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can imagine that there are two mm-hmm. conflicting motives there. <laughs> Remy's got a lot to say about this case. <laughs> no, I agree. And I think it's I think it's good that we sometimes have differing opinions on these things because I think sometimes I get very caught up in kind of one argument. So it's always good to like hear a differing argument. And on that point, I do kind of agree with you. I mean, his lawyer might just be saying that and not necessarily have taken his instruction on that. And yeah, it, it it might just be a case of them getting their wires crossed between them on what they were going to do about the money. So during the inquest, Mr. Craze spent a lot of time interviewing Paul in order for him to accurately determine the correct ruling for Paula's death. He did not hold back in his reporting on the inquest's overall findings. Mr. Craze said, quote, Putting it at its most succinct, did she fall accidentally, did she jump intentionally, or was she pushed? My feeling is this. If I asked a hundred people who had heard the evidence over the three days and had seen and assessed Mr. Ramsden and the other witnesses, if I asked them in their heart of hearts, do you believe he killed his wife, a very considerable number would say yes. Certainly, there is plenty of circumstantial evidence that would have given Paul Ramsden a motive for doing just that. As regards his character, he would be perfectly capable. In my judgment, he has been shown to be dishonest, egocentric, manipulative, streetwise, and even possibly a control freak. I believe Paula would have followed him anywhere if he had asked. The question is, has murder been proven? Is there any direct, non-circumstantial evidence? Have all other possibilities been ruled out? The answer I give after very considerable reflection is no. And accordingly, I bring in an open verdict. I prefer the Scottish verdict of not proven to the English verdict of not guilty. This inquest has been like a murder trial, but there is no prosecution. End quote. Yeah, that's very, very difficult, but almost exactly where my head is at. And I think it must be really, really, really challenging for the family because open verdict you know is is just that isn't it I guess like it's inconclusive and I'm sure that those close to them who maybe like knew their characters more deeply probably feel quite passionately towards like one verdict or another like I suspect frankly a lot of people probably do feel very strongly um that she was unfortunately murdered by him but as like the judge said in the eyes of the law like there was huge dearth of of evidence that really was prosecutable in this case which I mean I guess what is why it was an inquest as opposed to um like a criminal trial and yeah I think that's incredibly difficult but actually a lot of what we have heard is open to interpretation I think the life insurance thing is really really damning again I think clearly so did the coroner being honest I think that's probably got to be like the bulk of the evidence yeah um but kind of that is where it stops, isn't it? Like beyond that, 
it is stuff that could be like interpreted in multiple ways or just does speak to like character etc which like unfortunately isn't a crime is it to be just a you know an asshole isn't a crime like i'm sure he was guilty of lots of other crimes like he does sound quite controlling um the way that he like treated darren at like the start of this case i think was like abhorrent and stuff but unfortunately like that wasn't what was on trial here and therefore it's not what like the judgment is about really is it yeah completely and i think it does just come down to when like you know where the coroner said is there any direct non-circumstantial evidence like no like there isn't there isn't anything other than circumstantial evidence which is a real shame and i think short of having an eyewitness seeing him push her or anything like that i don't know i don't know what other kind of physical evidence they could you know there there could be unless you know someone was taking a photo in the background you could see him do it you know i mean other than other than something like that there is just going to be no physical evidence as to him doing it because really it's kind of like the perfect crime isn't it what do you think though because i was just thinking as you were speaking then when you said about the photo like I mean, probably, statistically speaking, the chance of that happening are quite slim. But that said, like, this was a public place. And I know that, like, maybe the angle is quite obscure, like, say, for people who, like, might be down the beach or, like, on a different part of, like, the reserve. You probably couldn't see a lot, like, right at the cliff edge. But equally, it is a public place. There could have been a lot of witnesses. There's lots of signs saying not to walk very close to the edge of cliffs and stuff. So just the very nature of being that close to the edge, to my mind, probably would have drawn attention. So like, if you did go there with like the sole intent of committing a murder, I actually think it's a very bold place to do it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's really hard, isn't it? It's, you can't really talk about it without speculating and i think in his um report mr craze the coroner did kind of like put a theory forward i think he said something like he thinks that paula had found out about paul having an affairs he kind of surmised like oh like on that sunday they'd been sat in their home they'd been discussing their marriage then they'd gone to beachy head and then he said something like oh and it like it came to a crescendo on beachy head and he said you know possibly he pushed her possibly he forced her to the edge but I agree with you because I think it's hard to imagine the circumstances in which it happened I'm not necessarily sure that he went there with the intention of killing her but I can imagine just given kind of what we know and especially given what the coroner said about his personality and obviously he's a control freak and all these things about him him being very manipulative I can imagine him losing it and then just pushing her in like a moment of like anger or whatever if they were fighting but this is all speculation because we don't know there's nothing to say they were having an argument there's nothing to say that Paula knew about Paul's affair so it's kind of hard isn't it I mean there was also I think in the um during the inquest it was discussed about whether or not maybe she'd committed suicide um and I'm pretty sure in the inquest Mr Craze had said something about Paul saying that she hadn't committed suicide but Mr Craze said that there was no way that Paul would have said that Paula had committed suicide because he then wouldn't have been able to claim the life insurance policy so I guess suicide is another option but I mean there's nothing to really suggest that she would have done that either not that there's always signs but you know I think it's quite difficult I do know what you're saying though it's quite a bold place and it's quite a, a bold move to just go out in public and do that but 
if you think they're like walking along the edge, they're having like this argument, possibly he's walking off, she's following him closer to the edge, you know, shouting after him or whatever. And then him just having a quick look around, seeing there's no one there and just shoving her. I think it could quite easily be done like very quickly. Yeah, no, I do. I do definitely, definitely think like that's a plausible series of events. What was like the fallout then? Because I'm guessing that a lot of like her friends and family would have like come out publicly to speak on this case like did Paul speak on it publicly because like let's not forget it he hasn't faced any charges like an inquest isn't about criminal responsibility is it it's just trying to establish what happened so uh, did he ever say anything I'm my gut instinct is he probably moved on with his life and got married again and uh, but I might be wrong no, so like he didn't really say anything other than what I said earlier in that he just gave like one statement and he was just like, I didn't murder my wife, like I loved her. That's that's, that's it really. Uh, yeah, and like with regards to the life insurance policy, um, he did end up claiming it um, and he received the payout and reports state that his children weren't beneficiaries and they didn't see any of the money. What? And yeah what's kind of even more horrifying is like because of this whole situation that happened in 2004 Paula's family took Paul Ramston to court to ask a judge to order that the money be transferred into a trust for the children so by this time both children had started living with Paula's parents and they divide their time between Hailing Island um here in England and Spain and the children are no longer in contact with Paul Ramston at all so they ended up having to take him to court to sue for the money basically um, because he'd just walked away. He no longer had any dependents. Uh, his children weren't living with him. Do you know what I mean? So all of that spiel about him saying, oh, well, we up the life insurance policy for childcare reasons and to and to get clothes for the children. That was all just like bollocks because he didn't end up giving any of the money to Paula's family who were looking after the children. So really, he actually did get away with it, if assuming he did it. Like, we're sat here saying he's an idiot for raising her life insurance and stuff, but it worked. Yeah, it's awful. It is awful. And it's, like, so difficult because off of the back of the um, inquest, like you said, yes, it wasn't, like, that wasn't a criminal investigation, but Detective Inspector Tim Guyton said that he would review the evidence put before the coroner, and he noted that there were questions that remained unanswered in this case, and he specifically said that there was at least one area of evidence that had emerged during the inquest that he would investigate, but he wouldn't tell reporters what that piece of evidence was. And so this obviously was like, oh my goodness, like, I'm sure her family probably felt completely, like, relieved that they were going to finally have, like, a proper criminal investigation into him. But unfortunately, a few months after he made this statement, Detective Guyton said um, that he was satisfied that after spending three months on the um, investigation that the police had done as much as they could and they couldn't persuade the CPS to bring a prosecution. So that was it. The investigation was dropped. They said that that one possible source of information or evidence that they wanted to review hadn't come up with anything. And they said they would reopen this investigation if a new source of information came forward. He thinks that that would be from like a third party who may have been told something in confidence. And maybe Paula had mentioned something about her relationship with Paul that the outside world didn't know. But he said, quote, There is no way any more can come from what happened on the top of Beachy Head that night because only two people really know one is gone and the other, Paul Ramston, is sticking to his guns. Blimey. How sad for everyone. I'm really outraged by that. I was thinking, like, why can you not specify to leave it to your children? But I suppose, like you say, it's really, it's there in the event of, like, trying to keep 
a life running, isn't it? Like in the after someone's death. So like, why would you leave it to your children? Like they're not the ones paying a mortgage, etc. But it is just awful that her family had to put themselves through like a court case just to get what her children like deserved. Just oh. You almost wish like that could have been evidence in the original inquest because it speaks fucking volumes, doesn't it? Like, oh, funny, actually, he did wander off of all her life insurance money. Like, that's almost as the most conclusive bit of evidence, but unfortunately happened after any kind of hearing into her death. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. It is really sad. It's really horrible. I guess the only kind of silver lining that I have for all of you is that after all of this happened, Darren, obviously, who was the father of Paula's son, um, says that he now has contact with his son and they like have a really good relationship. And he's kind of like getting to watch him grow up when Paula's family come back from Spain and spend their time in Hailing Island. So he is beginning to have a relationship with his son. But yeah, like other than that, that's literally all I have for you. I don't know if Paula's children got their money from their mother's life insurance policy. I don't know what came of that court case. Presumably it settled outside of court. Paul Ramsden is a free man. And as far as I can tell, the investigation into Paula's death is closed. Um, Albeit the manner of her death has still not been listed. And that remains an open verdict. So yes, a really, really tragic case to research. Um, In that I just think there's so many things that, that... have not been answered and that we can't answer and that nobody's answering um because paul ramston will never be honest i don't think about what happened and i think regardless of whether he did kill her or not i think he is lying about what happened yeah definitely i just don't i don't see it being the story that he said at all no i agree like i just think yeah you're no one just self-preservation alone stops you being so so bloody close to an edge and actually whilst you know, you can fall in a split second. I kind of think, why would you not just say, oh, we were messing around far too close to the edge? Like, that's the situation in which something happens in a split second. In any other situation, there's a series of events that lead up to such, like, a tragic incident, and he's failed to really disclose any of them. So, yeah, I 100% think he's, like, lying. Yeah, actually, that's a really good, like, summary of it. That's so true. If this was a tragic accident the lead up to it would have been completely different and he should have been honest about that because he's not being honest about that. There's no way that an accident could have come from what he is saying happened. So yeah, he is lying, whether that be because he did it or because of another reason. But for whatever reason, her family aren't getting any kind of peace from that because he's not telling the truth. And that's a real tragedy in this case. That really is because it doesn't need to be a massive secret unless he did kill her. That is the end of this case. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Abby for the suggestion and for trusting us with this case that was really close to her. If you would like some extra content, then you can support the show on Patreon. And if you do, thank you so, so much. And for those of you who haven't left us a review yet, uh, please do consider doing so because it really helps let us reach more people like you guys. So thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.